he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what has been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. The second reading is a prose poem by Mary Oliver called One Winter Day. And when I use the word flows, it's F-L-O-E-S as in ice flows. Today the flows came. They made their stately approach with the incoming tide in no hurry, but as if destined. The tide fell, and they were left like dropped clouds along the beach. Little boys clambered onto them as though they were white ships that could carry them out to sea. The gulls and eiders also seemed to feel they were here for entertainment and chose to rest upon this or that shining pinnacle. Those still in water were no more than islands, but when left on shore, they revealed themselves entirely huge and as gorgeously shaped as sculpture, both inspired and fortunate. A blue light glowed from their crevices. They might have been souls. The first time that I walked into a Unitarian Universalist Church some 15-odd years ago was this very church. Mind-boggling. It just blows my mind, but it's the truth. My friends and I were out church shopping, and we were sitting right about there, and I remember looking at the sanctuary and thinking it was so beautiful. And I remember the the sermon as being very provocative. But ultimately, I walked out those doors saying, I don't know if this place is quite right for me. It didn't have to do with people being unfriendly or disagreeing with anything I heard. In fact, I agreed with everything I heard. I walked out those doors saying, I don't think this place is quite right for me because I don't know how I'll be saved. I think I still believe in Jesus. Now, before jumping to any conclusions or deciding that you have made a horrible mistake in asking me to be your intern this year, I'll explain a few things. 
those questions or, or those statements of belief, if you can call them that, were my pictures, my understanding of salvation, the theme that we are going to be addressing this month. How we define salvation, how we wrestle with that concept determines quite a bit about our lives, far beyond what church pew we actually land in. What does salvation mean, and how do I get some? What does salvation mean, and how do I get some? For a good portion of my life, I went to church because that's what you did on Sunday morning. That's what my parents did and their parents did before them. We went to church because that's how you got saved. And saved meant Jesus dying on the cross so that we could go to heaven. Plus, I got to hang out with some of my friends and play the guitar a lot. Salvation was divorced from anything and everything about this world and all about some other world, some other beautiful place that I would go after I died. And I would go there if only I believed in Jesus. And to back up that claim to salvation... One need only open the Bible. Jesus is talking about it all the time. He says stuff like, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. And then he tells some story, which was oftentimes confusing, but who cared? As long as I got to that kingdom in heaven. Salvation meant heaven. And I got some. If I believed in Jesus, that was my picture of salvation. Now that picture has shifted, has has broken open, has evolved into something quite different. And that shift happened many years ago, not in a church, but at the base of a mountain. I was visiting an old friend at her cabin in Yosemite National Park. And we had just taken this this short hike to Glacier Point. I had never seen such raw, magnificent beauty in my entire life. A mountain range extends as far out as the eye can see, and massive Waterfalls appear like silver threads sewn throughout this magnificent panorama. And I couldn't help but feel as if I was viewing eternity. As if I was viewing something like the kingdom of God. My friend and I were making our way back to the car with our heads still swimming in awe when a woman sitting on a bench called out to us. Hey, I want to talk to you. Uh, We 
looked at each other. Yeah, yeah, I have something I need to tell you. We drew closer and saw that the woman had very few teeth. Her hair was tangled, her clothes were haphazard and dirty. She appeared to be homeless, but uh, we knew that had to be impossible. Impossible because the only way to get to this place was by car. But there she was, this, this homeless-looking woman who's motioning, motioning for us to come closer. Yeah, I have something I need to tell you. I remember shrugging and saying, oh, okay, uh, what do you want to tell us? I've been trying to find out where I've heard this before. I don't know where I've heard it before, but I have been looking for it for a very long time, but I can't find it anywhere. I think maybe John Muir said it. Yeah, I, I think it might be John Muir, but I, ca- I can't find where. Okay. See, here's what I have to tell you. When we're born, our souls shatter. Our souls shatter into a million pieces. We just come broken and breaking all over this world. Our soul is scattered everywhere. Everywhere. And you know what we're put on this earth to do? We're put here to bring our souls back together. Our lives are meant for seeking out the pieces of our souls. And they could be anywhere. I mean, anywhere. A piece of your soul could be in a person. A piece of your soul could be in a place. A piece of your soul could be in something you do. You've got to find those pieces to know where they are and bring them back together. That's what we're here for. That's what saves you to make a whole soul out of all the pieces. I don't know what I said next. I hope it was something like thank you. (laughs) I was pretty sure a piece of my soul was standing right next to me in the form of my friend. By all rights, we should have never met each other. And yet over many years, we had saved each other over and over again. I was pretty sure a piece of my soul was running like a silver thread through that mountain range. I was pretty sure a piece of my soul was sitting there right in front of me in the form of this very mysterious woman. She had saved me somehow. These days, I don't think about salvation as heaven, as some other place. I think about salvation as wholeness, 
wholeness within ourselves, wholeness within our families, wholeness within the family of things, wholeness that makes all things fully alive. Salvation is not a static netherworld of later, but a dynamic, life-giving world of now. I actually think that's what Jesus was talking about when he used such phrases as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Most biblical scholars today agree that Jesus is not talking about a place. He's using a common phrase of his day to talk about a way of being that creates wholeness, that makes all things fully alive. And if that's the case, I think we're all after salvation, whether we call ourselves Christian or not, whether we go to church or not, whether we're working on a house for the Habitat for Humanity or shooting up to get high, we are all looking for wholeness. Wholeness within ourselves and wholeness beyond ourselves. We are all looking to make a whole soul, a whole world out of the pieces. Jesus lived lived as if salvation was now, as if wholeness was already planted within He called it the kingdom of heaven, but he was saying something about wholeness. He said, wholeness can start small. It can be surprising as a mustard seed or as disconcerting as some yeast in some flour or a homeless woman sitting on a park bench. It can grow in such abundance that the birds make nests in its branches and it feeds thousands. To live as if salvation is now is not easy. Does not mean living in fairyland. It means engagement in this world in a very real and potent way. In his day, Jesus practiced living salvation by gathering all sorts of people around a table, eating and drinking with those whose lived realities was so wide and varied from his own, it was considered heresy. Still, he did it. He did it, recognizing over and over again that the pieces of his soul were in each and every one of those gathered. It was a radical act back then, and I would argue it's about as radical today. What does salvation mean to you? And how are you going to get some? How will you be made fully alive and whole? How will you go looking for the pieces? And how will you recognize them when you find them? 
How will you engage in this world in a very real and potent way? For myself, I'm pretty sure the pieces of my soul are sitting here before me right now, right here. I think I've been saved. I think I've been saved somehow. Amen.